0: Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message.
1: Open your Bible to Jude verse 1. We're continuing on the Brother series, so the last couple months we did a verse-by-verse study of the book of James. Now we're starting with Jude. Jude verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James. As we said before when we began this series, when studying the books of the Bible, it is important to know the author, the audience, when it was written, and the occasion for the writing. When studying the books of the Bible, it is important to know the author, the audience, when it was written, and the occasion for the writing. It's important to know those things because those things help you develop the context of the Scripture. And context is important. The book of Jude was written between A.D. 60 and A.D. 80. The book of Jude was written between A.D. 60 and A.D. 80. Go to Matthew 13. Let's look at the author a little bit more. Matthew 13, verse 54. Matthew 13, verse 54. Matthew 13, 54, and when he, Jesus, was coming to his own country, he taught them in the synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence has this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas or Jude? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then has this man all these things?" So based on the order of the names of the brothers listed, Jude is the youngest brother of Jesus. So Jude is Jesus' baby brother. Jude in Greek is the form of the Hebrew name Judah. So sometimes in the New Testament you'll see Judas, which is the Hebrew form of Judah. That's how it's translated the King James. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter nine, verse five. As we covered in part one of the series, Jesus' brothers did not believe in him until after the resurrection. They did not believe he was who he said he was until after he was raised from the dead. And we saw on part one of the series they were all filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. So Jude believed in Jesus after he was raised from the dead. It's one of the hundred twenty filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. So look at some more information about him. First Corinthians chapter nine, verse five. So we're gonna stand just a tad bit more about this man. First Corinthians, chapter nine, verse five. One of the reasons Paul wrote to the church at Corinth was to get a lot of things in order. And he spends a few chapters getting their finances in order concerning giving. And so he talks to them about their finances. He you support this person, you support this person, but you don't support us the way you should. You think, oh, they're fine by themselves. So while he's dealing with this issue and correcting, he gives us some important information about Jude in verse 5. It says, have we not power to lead about a sister or wife as well as other apostles and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas? One of the things it tells you just by this phrase alone, Peter was married. We knew that from the Gospels. It also tells us the other apostles were married. And it tells us that Jesus' brothers were married. But when I began to look at the different translations of this verse, it's not talking about lead about to date somebody and marry. It's talking about when they would go on their missionary journeys and go from church to churches and preach all over Europe and Africa and Asia. And they says, "Don't we have the gospel responsibility and the ability to not only have funding for us to go before funding to take our wife with us?" Amen. So Jude and his wife traveled, preaching the gospel, before he ever wrote this letter. So now I'll go to Jude one. So he's the baby brother of Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost, one of the 120 on the day of Pentecost, and would travel around the known world preaching the gospel. So now we know the author. We know approximately when it was written. Now let's look at the audience and the occasion for the writing. It says, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. The word sanctified means made holy and set apart. The word sanctified means made holy and set apart. Preserve means to keep, to guard, or to attend to carefully. It means to keep, to guard, or to attend to carefully. The New Living Translation translated as kept safe in the care of Jesus. The word called means to be invited or to be chosen. So what is Jude saying here? You are invited, chosen, set apart by God, and attended to and kept safe in the care of Jesus. So he's also talking to us. And it doesn't matter what you go through in life, you have to remember, God invited you. And then, it was also said another way, Jesus said it, you didn't choose me, I chose you. So no matter how you try to disqualify yourself because how many times you messed up, you didn't choose God, God chose you. He knew you had issues, he knew you had problems, he knew you would make mistakes, yet he chose you anyways. And when you look at whatever he has called you to do and you think I can't do it because of all my issues, think God believes in me more than I believe in myself because he chose me to do it. So you are invited, you are chosen, you have been set apart by God and God attends to you and wants to keep you safe in his care. So that's how Judah begins his book. Then he says, mercy unto you. God's kindness, his compassion unto you. Peace and love be multiplied. So not just receive these things, let it keep increasing. Keep increasing in the manifestation and the awareness of God's kindness, of God's love. Increase in peace. Don't be tossed to and fro, but grow in peace. Then he says, beloved. When I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, the word common means what we share, so what is shared by many. So he says, I'm writing to you about what we all believe, our shared salvation it belongs to many people. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. This is what he's saying. I wanted to write to you about one thing, but it was more important that I write to you about something else. He says, I wanted to sit down and write to you about the salvation we all share, but there was another more pressing issue. You got to think if a preacher's preaching about salvation, that's a hugely important issue. But he says, there was something more important that I had to write to you about. He says, I had to write to you and exhort you, encourage you, I beg you, implore you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. Earnestly contend means to fight intensely for what you believe. If you have to tell someone to fight intensely for what they believe, they're not fighting for what they believe and they believe almost anything that comes by. He says, I need you to fight intensely for what you believe. What does he say next? Which was once delivered unto the saints. So what is he saying? What we believe came from God himself, and he gave it to his people forever. I need you to fight intensely for what you believe, because we didn't make this up. It came from God himself. It's what God gave to his people, and it's forever. So you need to fight for what you believe. Why do they need to fight for what they believe? For there are certain men crept in unawares. Crept in unaware. Means to enter secretly and to settle in alongside. So not only did these people come in, they took up residence. They joined the church. They went through membership classes. They're part, but for an ulterior motive. The Amplified Classic Edition says they gained entrance secretly by a side door. The Message version says they infiltrated our ranks. The New Living Translation they wormed their way into your churches who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. That means their punishment and judgment was prophesied about a long time ago. Like God said, anybody who will do these things will run into a certain judgment. Notice it calls them ungodly men. Now, when people say ungodly men, okay, there's people who didn't believe in God. That's not what that phrase means. It means those who are irreverent, destitute of reverential awe towards God. Or in other words, they do not respect God, they act against what God commands and desires. They have no reverence for God whatsoever and they intentionally and purposely do things that are against what God wants. So these are the people who have snuck into your churches. What did they do? Here's the reason they came. Here's the reason they came in secretly. Turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So these ungodly people are changing the message of the grace of God, of the liberality we have in Christ, of the gift of God, of all the different 19 definitions of the word grace. They took that message, they took that truth and twisted it and changed it to lasciviousness, which means unbridled lust, being promiscuous or being unprincipled in sexual matters. Unbridled lust, being promiscuous or unprincipled in sexual matters. These ungodly people were turning the teaching of grace and to teaching the people they can live a life of having sex with whoever they want, doing whatever they feel like doing or whatever feels right to them sexually. Nothing's new under the sun. So these people came into the church to teach something different. It's close to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans that we may get into later on. And then what do they do after they teach and change the message of grace? They teach people to deny or to reject, to refuse, to not accept the Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord God. Now, it's interesting that he uses the phrase Lord God and the Lord Jesus Christ. When we read through the scriptures, we just go, okay, okay, that's God's name. Lord God, Lord Jesus Christ, keep moving. But when you look at the phrase Lord God, it comes from the Greek word which means master or absolute ruler. It means master or absolute ruler. When you get to the word Lord over Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ, that's a different Greek word which means supreme in authority. So two different word lords, but he's painting a picture. He points out a lifestyle in verse 4 where their bodies, lust, and feelings are God and master over their lives. When the absolute ruler of their lives should be the Father and the Lord Jesus. So he's pointing out two different groups of people people who follow their body and their feelings, and people who follow God and Jesus. The occasion of this letter is to combat false teaching, to combat heresy and encourage believers to stand strong in what they believe. The occasion of this writing is to combat false teaching and to encourage believers, to stand strong in what you believe. Don't let people change your mind on what you believe. Just because it's slickly packaged. Just because they know how to put a YouTube video together. Don't change what you believe because you saw something on Facebook. Well, I saw this meme, and anybody can make a meme. I can download an app right now and say the craziest thing, people would believe it. Why? Because people don't read, right? It's what like P.T. Barnum said, there's a sucker born every minute. And so these people creep in and look for suckers. They look for people who aren't willing to study the word of God on their own, who believe whatever somebody tells them. That's why we always tell you here, don't take the word of a preacher just because they said it. If they can't prove it to you from the Bible, then you're under no obligation to believe it. The word of God says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So you don't make a doctrine out of one scripture. You let the scripture define the scripture. That's why if you, come, you listen to us, we're not just saying one scripture in preaching. We have scripture after scripture, after scripture, after scripture. We present our message like we are a lawyer in a courtroom. Go to Acts 15. The early church was in a constant fight against false teachers and their teaching. The early church was in a constant fight against false teachers and their teaching. Actually, before we go to Acts 15, go to the book of Revelation. Let's see what Jesus thought about some of this false teaching going around. Revelation... Chapter two, verse six. But this you have. He's talking about something good the church of Ephesus was doing. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. When you keep studying, go to verse 15. It says, you have, he talks to another church, people in your church that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Jesus is love. You know what's bad when he hates something. This was a doctrine of compromise. This is a doctrine of doing whatever you felt like doing. But the thing is, we read this, but we don't realize where this doctrine came from. How many would like to know who's the person who taught this doctrine? Go to the book of Acts. We'll get back to our main point eventually. Go to Acts chapter six. Acts chapter six, verse one. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans. A doctrine and a teaching and deeds that Jesus hated. He didn't hate the people, he hated the deeds and what they taught people to do. Acts chapter six, verse one, and in those days, when the number of the disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. What is this? this is racial strife and racial issues. The Grecians were Hebrews who grew up in the Greek world. They spoke Greek. And so, while you may look at them and not be able to tell a the difference, they had a difference between each other. A lot of times, I may get into the Sunday or a couple Sundays from now. When we think of the word racism, we think black and white. Why? We live in America. That's how we think. But if you go to other places, you can go to a place where there's an Africa or Europe, and to your American eyes, everybody looks the same. But if you ask them, it's like, oh no, they got this different, they got this different, they got this different, you don't know what their tribe did, you don't know what their family did, and they still break up in the same way. So racism is not anything new. What is it backed by? The spirit of division. There's a racial part that is a fleshly thing, part of sin. You may get into that sometime this month. But whatever is a party-like thing, you see in Galatians 5 is a work of the flesh, but there's also a spirit behind it. A spirit of racism, a spirit of division. But I think this is as far as I go tonight, The spirit of division's best friend is ignorance. The spirit of division's best friend is ignorance. That's how the spirit of division can thrive. Because it begins, it has a doctrine. Demons have a teaching. And so people who believe the doctrine of the spirit of division and are ignorant, they begin to say things like all black people, all white people, all Mexicans, and they paint everybody in a wide brush. You can't say all nobody nothing. If you ever show that, you are showing that you are ignorant. And so, Satan has not been able to find a way to stop the booming church in the book of Acts. He just got the whooping of his life by Jesus. He doesn't show up for chapters. By the time he begins to kind of come around, he sees 120 people filled with the Holy Ghost looking just like Jesus. Then Peter stands up and preaches; 3,000 people get saved. They get someone healed, 5,000 people get saved. Satan's like, we got to do something to stop it because they are multiplying by the day. So he tries to persecute the church, doesn't work. So now he says, well, let me go on the inside and let me cause up some strife. So then the 12 called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, So these seven men have a good reputation among the people. They are full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom. We see that, right? Whom we may point over this business. What is the business? Serving tables. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. So all seven men are full of the Holy Ghost, right? Full of wisdom, right? They have a good reputation, right? Nicholas founded the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Just because one day you're spiritually mature does not mean that's how you're gonna be the next day. Just because you walk with God today and preach truth today does not mean you won't be a heretic in two years. For whatever happened in his life, he began to change what he believed and preached, and he developed a teaching that Jesus hated. It's sneaky how it creeps in. And see, what's even sad is, one of the things I like to study church history, especially where the voice of healing revivals are concerned, and people who are using the gifts of healing. And so there are people, as you study the last 200 years just in this continent alone, who at the beginning, they are on target. But at the end of their life, They said some crazy stuff. And so there's some people I won't even listen to because I'm not sure at what point you went crazy, and I'm not gonna spend time listening. (laughs) There's one person in the early 1900s, he taught John G. Lake, John Alexander Dowie. There was another man of God at that time who says, you can't follow that man's doctrine, but you can follow his faith. Because he knew how to use his faith to get people healed, but what he taught was completely wrong. So what happens is you have to take everything you hear and compare it to the book. You can have somebody who taught you years ago and they were great, but it doesn't mean you just check out just because well they they were accurate 10 years ago. You have to keep checking with the book. You have to keep letting the Bible be the authority of your life. Jesus is Lord, not some preacher. But too many people fall by the wayside because some spiritual somebody they follow went in another direction. It's sad truth that people follow people, but you need to follow the book. So go to Acts 15, Let's get back talking about things creeping in unaware. Acts 15 verse one, this is something the early church dealt with consistently and constantly, and it's something we deal with today. One of the reasons I took time in March and taught the I Believe series is because things were creeping in. And as a pastor, one of the things you do, God gives you a shepherd's cane. And one of the ways you'd use it is through teaching. Another way you use it is kick people out of the church. I mean, Pastor, you kick people out? Yeah. If they're wolves, I have no tolerance for wolves. I can tolerate goats. I can work with goats. But if you are a wolf, you're about to be put out. And if you keep messing with me, you'll be put out on Front Street. I have no tolerance for wolves. Why? I have the responsibility from God to protect the sheep he's entrusted to me. So Acts 15, verse one. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren, the church of Antioch, where Paul and Barnabas and others are, and said, except you be circumcised, after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. So what are they teaching? You can't go to heaven unless you're circumcised like the rest of the Jews. This was a church that had Jews and Gentiles. How many know membership class would be have a lot less men if the last step of the growth track was, oh, now you believe you've gone through the classes, so now we've got some knives in the other room. Go ahead and get in line and we'll handle it for you. How I many know some guys are like, yep, uh, this is not the church for us let find somewhere else. Let's watch online. So they come preaching and says, You can't be saved. You can't go to heaven unless you are circumcised, like Moses said. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension, what are they doing? They're earnestly contending for the faith and disputation with them. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and the elders about this question. They said, Oh, you came from so-and-so? We're gonna go talk to so-and-so ourselves. And as we said in part one, they went up to talk to James who's the leader of the early church. So they brought this up, and let's go down to verse 24. When James and the council writes a letter back to the church of Antioch. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us, having troubled you with words, subverting your soul, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. They left on their own and said stuff we never told them to say. So just to make sure you don't believe something crazy that did not come from us. So what happened? These people that left, these were believers who taught the wrong thing. And what would this wrong teaching do? Bring them into bondage. Bring them into spiritual captivity. This false teaching would have ensnared the believers and taught them the wrong thing. Go to Galatians two. False teaching will ensnare believers. They will advertise it as freedom for are really selling slavery. Galatians two, verse one. This is another instance. Then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren, unawares brought in who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into, what? To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour. Another translation, we didn't give them a moment to talk. Why? That the truth of the gospel might continue with you. So Paul calls these individuals false brethren, false believers, who snuck in, one version says they were smuggled in, Paul says, we didn't listen to these individuals for a moment so that you can receive the truth of the gospel. So notice, once again, false teaching seeks to entrap and make slaves of the believers. These ca- people came and they looked like the church people, but they weren't real church people. But they knew how to say all the right phrases. And they came to see how the believers were really living so that they could ensnare them in what they wanted to teach them. Go to Second Peter. This was something the early church was on guard of, and it's something you have to be on guard of. Because today, more than likely, it won't be because you were present when someone taught these things. It's one of the reasons why we are very careful whoever we allow in this pulpit. But more than likely, if you hear another doctrine, it's going to be on social media. It's going to be online. It's going to be on TV. And it's not always the religious channels, even though they have it. We were made for preaching. You were made for someone to preach to you. Even though the Bible calls this foolishness, we were made for that foolishness. Because I've watched people who for whatever reason, be an offense or whatever reason, who stopped going to church, not people who were weak in faith, but people who were strong in faith, who were always in church, always in the word, and they stopped going. They're still nice people, probably, hopefully. But they began to have something else Fill that void. So it's every Sunday they're still doing something religiously, even though they're not going to church and getting the word. Somebody or something, whether it's a TV show, is preaching to them. I remember years ago, Tim Story made a joke, says Oprah's the pastor of the world's largest church. He said, Dr. Phil's their co-pastor. People are always giving information, they're preachers and people listen. Some people won't come to church, but Jay-Z's their pastor. They start getting out of debt because he wrote a song. And so they listen to that album, and it preached to them. Whether it's right or wrong, we were all made for preaching. And you have somebody preaching into your life. Second Peter. Chapter 2, verse 1. Notice what it says. But there were false prophets also among the people, talking in Israel, even as there shall be false teachers among you. The Old Testament dealt a lot with false prophets. The New Testament deals a lot with false teachers. Who privilege shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Notice as bought them. So he's not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about people who have become believers, who for whatever reason leave the gospel and begin to teach wrong things. It says they will bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. What does he said? It says in the future, false teachers will come in. They used to teach the right thing, but now they teach the wrong thing. People begin to follow them, and people talk bad about Christianity because of it. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now a long time lingers not, and their damnation slumbers not. The, word, the phrase make merchandise of you means they will exploit you. So one of the reasons behind some false teachers, not all false teachers, but some of them, is they say these things to exploit you, to get money from you, to get control over your lives. And they could have started right, but they end up teaching other things and bring you into captivity. Go to 2 Timothy chapter three. There are many false teachers now. A lot of people who are religious, they will say, oh, yeah, there are false teachers in churches. Sure there are. Well, there's false teachers everywhere. But some people are only on guard when they come to church. I'm going to make sure what they're saying is true. Well, that's good. But be on guard when you listen to the news. They don't tell the truth. This is before fake news came out. They've been fake a long time. And sometimes it's just opinion. A lot of the news reporting you listen to right now is not news, it's opinion. You don't have journalists, you have commentators. My major in college was broadcast journalism. And one of the things they hit again and again is when you give a news report, you don't give your opinion. You say the facts. Now if you're a smart journalist and wanna influence people, you put the right facts out front, but most people, Don't just give the facts and say, well, this is what I think. This is who these people are. And it doesn't matter what side of the aisle they're on. You can watch one news news network for Republicans. Watch the other one for Democrats. And people don't want to hear what the other side says. They just want someone to reinforce their own beliefs. So you're getting news all the time. And what's worse than the social media generation is people see something online and they believe it. And they run with it. Even if it came from a satire website. There was an article that just went wild last week from a satire website. And I knew this organization was satire website, I saw it before, I saw the article, didn't think anything of it. But thousands of people believed it and kept sharing it about the preacher to the point that news organizations believed it. And the whole thing was the satire organization made a joke that this preacher was traded to another church to form a super team like they were the calves or they were someone else. And they said, in a six-year deal that's shaking up the evangelical world for $110 million, so people are talking about, ah, well, those Christians with their money, blah, 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 so they're going off, and it's fake. Yet people believe it. They didn't research it. They just saw it online, so it must be true. It's like two generations ago, it's on TV, it must be true. You have to be on guard with everything you hear. Research, prove it out. Don't be gullible. But what happens is, the people who want to exploit you hope that you're gullible. Cult leaders hope that you're gullible. Christianity is not the belief system where you check your brain at the door. Please use your brain, God gave you one. He wants you to use it. But if you don't use it, they will exploit you. One of the reasons we had fishers of men in July was to give you information so when the cult leaders and cult people come, you know what to say. I had one couple I lived next door to when I was in Texas, and they came out of one of these cults, and they had their, um, a relative is still in the cult, and they, in their minds, they backslid. And so they called the missionaries on them to go to their door. And so they said, oh, we're a little early, so let's knock on someone else's door. So they knocked on my door. And I like talking to them, I have a good time. And so depending on what, you know, I can see where they are, I start talking to them. And so I said, well, I talk, because they pair them up, the older missionary and the younger missionary. The younger one's just got into it, the old one's been there for a while. So I start talking to them about miracles and the power of God. I said, have you seen a miracle? Well, no, so let me tell you about a few. Tell people getting healed and delivered. And so the younger one's like, really? Wow, wow, I'm drawing him in, I am working it. The older missionary is like, we got to go. <laughs> He's like, oh, time to go. Oh, sorry, sir, it's good talking to you. You want to write here? Oh, no, I've read it before, but here's what I want you to do. I've had missionaries come to my house. You know, they want to pray for you. He says, let me pray for you and lay my hands on them. I send them away. And they walk away not knowing what to think. And so they left, and they went to the people they're trying to reach, and their response was a little bit different. And they just send them on the way. They came to me, talked to me later. He says, the next time they come, we're going to tell them our pastor lives next door. They said, and they told me why they left. They didn't even know the word, they, they would go to a word church now. They said, we didn't know the word, we just knew they were crazy and we just left. <laughs> and so they will try, to you leave, they try to bring you back in. But you gotta know what you believe so that you can earnestly contend for the faith. And it's not just against false religions and cults. It's against people who believe whatever crazy stuff they see on TV. There are some people, it depends on the day, they believe something different. They're just hopping over to different belief systems. 2 Timothy 3 talks about that. Verse 1, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, dangerous times shall come, and we live in the last days. So you're used to living in dangerous times. You live in more dangerous times than people in the Bible. So, Paul is turning on Timothy, he says, you think you're going through something right now, but at the end, there are going to be some people that will live through some dangerous times. Now, here's why the dangerous times. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents. That phrase, disobedience to parents, means parents can't control their kids no more. Unthankful unholy, without natural affection, which means families don't love each other anymore. Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent means they have no self-control, fierce, they're savages, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, that word heady means they are rash, they are reckless, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. It doesn't say they won't love God, but they love what feels good above loving God. They have a form of godliness. So it doesn't mean they won't be religious. They won't have a form of religion. They have it, but they deny the power of God. From such, turn away. Why? For of this sort are they which creep into houses. That word creeps means they disguise themselves and sneak in. So remember, even Satan comes as an angel of light. And lead captive silly women. This word silly means unstable and needy. Morally weak, spiritually small, and vulnerable. Means unstable and needy. Morally weak, spiritually small, and vulnerable. Laden or burdened down with sins, led away with divers lust. What do these people do? Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So these are believers, right? They don't live the way they should, the way down with sin, following with their feelings, and here comes somebody disguised and tells them something they believe and leads them away captive. Now, as Janice and Jambres, the two witches that stood against Moses in the book of Exodus, so do these also resist the truth, men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further. For their folly shall be manifest unto all as theirs also was. So their judgment was everybody will see that they are crazy, that it's wrong, and they will fall. But notice, if all of these authors say these people are going to try to do this, you need to take heed and pay attention. Because the Bible says one time it's important, it says twice it's important, it says three times it's important. But all these different times, by precept and example, you must be on guard. Verse nine means their teaching will eventually be exposed and come to nothing. So let's look at a solution. Let's Acts 20 begin to close up. Look to your neighbor and say, be on guard. Notice, I didn't say be afraid, I said be on guard. Because some people say, oh, I'm so afraid that I'm gonna hear something wrong. And then they hear something wrong and they believe it. Why, the fear opened the door or the fear will keep them from revelation of the word of God. Because, ooh, who's this preacher? He's a new preacher. They may be full of the devil, or they could be full of the Holy Ghost. How do you know the difference? Listen to what they say. Prove all things. That's what the Bible teaches to do. And then it'll say, oh, they preached the gospel for 20 years, but they said one thing wrong in their message. Can't listen to them anymore. Eat the hay, spit the sticks. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It becomes an issue when there's more sticks than hay. People will make mistakes. Don't say, oh, they're a false teacher now, because it says something I don't believe. One, it could just be a stick, so put it on the shelf, or you could be wrong, but you take time and pray about and get in the Word, and you hear from God yourself. You do not need somebody to go in between you and God. Someone already did it. His name is Jesus. So you can go to God yourself and get an answer. You can have a personal relationship with God, and you need to, but that doesn't mean you have a personal relationship and you stay away from other believers. Ooh, some church people are crazy. Well, you may be one of them. That doesn't mean you stay away from church just because someone offended you or you've met a crazy person. I've met a lot of crazy people at church. I've seen it over the years. I have the best stories, I really do. I went to a school, and I met more. <laughs> See, Tulsa, I love Tulsa, it's a special place, though. I remember Sinbad came there one when I was there in college, and he told a story which just resonated. I'm like, yep, I believe it. He said he was at the movie theater, came outside, and someone said, Sinbad, let's take a picture. So he said, okay, let's take a picture. And she said, look up. He did, he says, Jesus just took your picture. I'm like, yep, I believe it. Because people are spooky. But some people believe crazy things. You can't find it in the Word. But they believe it. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be spooky. Look at your other neighbor and say, don't turn into Casper. And for the youth who are like, who are Casper? It was a show a long, long time ago. Don't worry about it. Acts 20, verse 28. So Acts chapter 20, the end of this chapter, Paul is having a minister's conference outside of Ephesus. So he invites all the pastors and ministers that are in the city of Ephesus, and he ministers unto them, and he says, take heed, therefore pay attention to yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers, to feed the church of God. How do you feed it with the word of God? which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, after I leave, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, also of your own selves. So wolves will come from the outside, but there's some wolves that can come dressed like ministers. They'll rise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So how do you watch, what do you do? Verse 32 gives us a clue. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all of them which are sanctified. So what do you want to do to be guarded against following after false doctrine and being taken away captive? Stick with God. Stick with his word, and stick with people who follow his word. Stick with God, stick with his word, and stick with people who follow his word. Because what happens if you try to be a loner, Satan can pick you off easy. And you can get trapped up believing something, and then here's how you know it's a trick of the enemy. You start listening to this person, and you don't want to go to church no more. So I'm just enlightened. I'm just more advanced than them. No, you just picked up a devil somewhere. Because anything that's telling you to do against the word of God, it's not from God. Amen. And God said, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. So if anything that teaches you, you don't need to go to church that often. You really don't need to go to church anymore. You can stay at home and be spiritual. It's against the Bible. Oh, we're the real Jews. No, you ain't. Come on, please. Oh, the lost tribes, the tribes aren't lost. Read the Bible, because Luke talks about one of the tribes is lost. It's like, well, if it's lost, Luke did not know that. When people start saying these things, they pull people away from church, they begin to believe different things, and Satan snipes them off. And they used to be strong in faith. And so one of the things I do is I watch, you know, because I grew up in this church. I grew up in the word of faith. I grew up, and so there are people who grew up with me or people who I knew were leaders, and so I watched their lives. There are some people who make decisions, well, you know, I don't believe this anymore, so I watched their life. What does their new gospel or what they believe, what does it produce in their life? Because if you're gonna watch, watch and pray. Is it of any valuable? Because if it is valuable, it will show up in your life. And I see, and a lot of these people are angry offended, bitter. They start doing things, they say, oh, you should never do that. Drunks, immoral. All these different things because they begin to believe something else. And now they believe they know better than everybody else and better than the book. You can't let that be you. You have to be on Guard. Go to Ephesians 4 and we're close here. So stick with God, stick with the Word, and a community of believers that believe the Word. This is why Jude wrote his book to encourage believers to earnestly contend for the faith and to combat false teaching. Ephesians 4, And he, Jesus, personally gave some apostles and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. So for the maturing of the saints so they can do the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the building up and the encouraging of the body of Christ. How long are these gifts supposed to operate? Till we all come into the unity of the faith, till we're coming in unity. Does not mean we'll all believe the same thing. But it does mean we'll operate together in unity, and we'll stop bickering between each other. You don't have to believe everything another believer believes. But you can walk in love towards them. You can agree to disagree. So we all come into unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or a mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ That's where we're he- heading. But note what verse, teen, verse 14 says. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Our mark of spiritual immaturity is going back and forth from what you believe and changing with every new doctrine or teaching that comes out. The Bible says if you do that, you're a spiritual baby. You can save 50 years and still be a spiritual baby. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, make an increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So grow up in God and in his word. So you cannot be taken prey by false teachers and be exploited and chained and led away from the truth. Be on guard and don't so easily eat every spiritual thing you hear. Well, it sounded good. Doesn't mean it's right. A lot of things sound good. I can make anything sound good if I put the right beat behind it. Doesn't mean it's right. So you have to judge Everything, everything you continue to allow in your ear gates, you put in front of your eyes, judge it, is it truth, do I believe what it says? And the thing is, well, if that's the case, I can't watch the news. No, you can watch the news. Just take it with a grain of salt. And sometimes you gotta talk back. Oh, this disease is spreading in your area. Nope, not in my house. Oh, it's a new flu, not in my house. Well, the economy's going down, not in my house. And so learn things to agree with and disagree with. Because you can have politicians that say stuff that sound good, but you have no idea how they're going to do that. So just say, you know what, I agree with that. That's going to come to pass. Doesn't mean you have to believe who's going to do it. Just going to say, that's going to come to pass. How? Huh? Jesus got something up his sleeve. That is going to come to pass. What you don't agree with, it's Like, nope, I bind that. That's not coming to pass. You gotta be spiritual people, you gotta learn how to pray. You can't let the news move you. Move the news. You have to use your authority. You have to stick with the word and you have to be people of prayer. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're the most powerful entity on
0: the earth ever. It's time for us to act like it and not be led away into false teaching and and led away from the truth. And at the end of our lives, we look like a poor excuse for a believer. Or we don't even know what's true anymore, what's right anymore, what we believe anymore. And you used to be a spiritual champion. Stick with the word, and for the rest of your days, should Jesus tarry, you will always be a spiritual champion.
1: Stand to your feet. Let's lift our hands and thank God for the word of God. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it has the power to keep us, the power to strengthen us, the power to show us the way to live, and we thank you for the Holy Spirit who opens our eyes to the word. We thank you, sir, that you live on the inside of us, you rest upon us, you dwell among us. So we give you all the glory, honor, and praise for revelation for helping us live in line with the truth. We don't have to do it by ourselves, but you've given us grace You've given us the power of your spirit that enables us to live the way we should live. We're not going to turn the grace of God into lasciviousness and doing whatever we want. But help us live the way you have called us to live. Because that
0: is the blessed path. That is the path of your love that you prepare for us because of your extravagant love towards us. I give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Every head bow. Everybody closed in prayer. All
1: hands down. We don't want to close out an experience without giving people the opportunity to make Jesus.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart, save me now, forgive me of my sins, fill me with your spirit, and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com, that's FCCGA.com, to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.